Hello, and welcome to the Hobo CEO podcast, where we're talking all things business and entrepreneurship, including the highs and lows, with a sprinkle of neurodiversity for good measure. I'm your host, Shay Wassell, neurodivergent serial entrepreneur, personal and business coach, author, researcher, and most importantly, a mother to one beautiful little human being. This podcast is all about sharing the entrepreneurial journey, as well as tips, tricks, and advice from my guests to help you become the business owner and entrepreneur you've always imagined you could be, and you definitely can be that person. But before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the beautiful lands on which I live and work, the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to elders past, present, and to all First Nations people that are listening today. So let's get started. I'm so thrilled to have Marnie on the show with us today from Fempire, who is an amazing coach, but also for me, um, um, a huge mentor of mine. And I'm so privileged to have come across Marnie in the last six months in uh, my business journey of transitioning from a not-for-profit social enterprise into a for-purpose company. So welcome to the show, Marnie. Thanks, Shay. It's really beautiful being here. As I was saying, it's been such a, a honour really to have met you and to have been able to be welcomed into the Fempire and the sisterhood of supporting each other. And I think the last seven years has been quite lonely in a lot of ways as a business mm. owner. Even though I had a board around me um, and I've had lots of volunteers, there hasn't been a real connection with other women in business that I've was really missing actually and I didn't think didn't realize how much it was missing until I joined the Fempire and so I'm really glad that you've come on the show today so we can talk about how important it is to have that network of women and um, that support around us but before we start digging into that topic could you just talk to us a little bit about your amazing background I mean I of course you know I was blown away with the Richard Branson story because I'm dyslexic and he's a big dyslexic leader in our community, but yeah. um, there's more to your work than that. <laughs> a little bit. Just do it. So could um, you please share with us? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, First of all, I, I get what you mean when you say it can be really lonely, lonely as an entrepreneur in business, and I certainly found that with um, when I first started my own business, within about a year I was feeling very, very lonely because it's quite isolating. When you're a solopreneur and you're starting, I started my business from my closet with two young children and um and yeah one of the first things I discovered was how long first it's amazing and you're following your truth and your passion and you you're finally doing what you really want to do and then you realize you get to a point where you're like okay now I'm I feel isolated and lonely and I need people to bounce ideas off and ask questions of and that's kind of how Fempire got some of its purpose behind it from but it all started out when I was a stay-at-home mum I started my working career, as you mentioned before, working for Richard Branson in marketing and sales. And I then went on to work for other large corporates like British Telecom and um, others I won't mention, it doesn't matter. But um, I always had multi-million dollar budgets to spend on whatever I want and, you know, fly wherever I liked and do, you know, cars and blah, blah, blah. So I was living the the high life, so to speak, in the corporate world. and. I was young enough that I hadn't really hit that glass ceiling yet, but I did know that when I I um, 
had kids or I was brainwashed into believing something that to be a great mother I needed to stay home and raise my kids. So I quit my job um, with British Telecom at the time and I headed uh, into motherhood and uh, gave birth to my beautiful baby girl, went as far as changing countries from the UK to the US because my husband is American. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I would take the kids to the park and absolutely hate it and if I had to watch another Wiggles video, I wanted to stab myself in the eye, but um, I just felt that. That hasn't changed. <laughs> no. <laughs> the Wiggles are a great brand, entrepreneurial brand, but no. Um, yeah, mashed potato, mashed potato is not my, is kind of the my trauma song <laughs> anyway. It's, uh, it's um, yeah, so it, it was a very difficult reality to face and I was very bored and lonely and frustrated, and, but I just kept telling myself this is what mums do, this is what how we need to behave and be to um, to raise our kids, be there for our kids. Um, so, it, you know, me, me being miserable and not really following my truth all came to a head when we had fires in San Diego living in San Diego at the time, and we had the kind of fires that we have here in Australia and Queensland. They're just out of control. Devastating. About 250 homes were burned. And um, we didn't live near the fire, but when you walked out of my front door, you put you could put your arm in front of you and not see your hand. So the smoke was thick. So I remember hearing on the radio, if you have kids under the age of one, you know, that might have respiratory issues, you should probably get out of San Diego. So my son was six months at the time. We had low-level asthma in the family, so I decided to pack up the kids in the minivan, which, by the way, Shay was another low in my in my lifetime. Very convenient but not sexy. <laughs> so a bit like breast pumps. Anyway, they uh, packed the kids up in the van and started to drive up to my friend's house in San Francisco. It was in the middle of the night because that's, you know, when the kids had slept and I hadn't slept for years. So I was happy driving through the night. Um, and I saw as I went through LA fires on the ridge on the hill because LA were having horrendous fires as well. And uh, I, I, was, I was driving along in this 10-lane freeway and the kids were asleep in the back and um, my vision started to go. And I had no idea what was happening. I thought it was food poisoning. I, you know, my stomach was upset. I, you know, I could see shapes um, flying past and sort of the only, so, you know, of course, who were the first people I thought of? And that's my two kids in the back. So I'm like, okay, well, I just have to get my kids to the side of the road. And I don't know if my vision, my, my thinking was that clear, but, you know, I just, put my indicator on and started to gradually move over with horns and it's all very blurry now to be honest but made it to the side of the road sort of opened my door threw up everywhere and um yeah I then the policeman turned up in the fight because in America you call 911 and everybody turns up and the firemen weren't busy enough right so yes I um the the policeman turned up firemen in ambulance and I ended up being taken off in an ambulance and as they were loading us into the ambulance. My son was still asleep, as most men are through some major female dramas, right? So sorry, guys, I'm just <laughs> joking. But, um, but my little daughter was there and she was three year, years old at the time. And I remember they had given her a tiny little teddy to hold on to. 
And I looked over at her, I was strapped into the gurney and uh, it's the first time I'd ever been t- taken in an ambulance. Or, And uh, she looked at me and she put a hand on my leg and she said, it'll be all right, mummy. And I remember thinking in that moment, um, you know, what am I doing? You know, these choices that I'm making, I've literally put my kids' lives in danger, my own life in danger. I'm unhappy. I'm unfulfilled. I have no purpose. And I'm showing my daughter how to do the same, which was devastating to me. I thought this isn't what I want for her. If she told me how I was feeling, I'd be like, changed. Go do something different. So that was a wake-up call for me and I... I decided, you know, once I sort of got myself back together, you see, Shay, I'd had a panic attack. It wasn't any um, bizarre disease that I just unintentionally caught whilst driving past LA. I had had a panic attack. It culminated in, you know, starting to lose my vision and the rest of it, and um, and it certainly happened in the wrong place, but it was enough to give me that slap in the face, really, to say, okay, something's got to change. So I went on to start you know, long story short, I then went on to start my own business. I was in marketing and, and uh, design and so I could do graphic design. So I launched an agency literally from my closet and I built that agency from my closet to a studio we built in the backyard because I still wanted to be very available for my children. And then we grew it into corporate offices and then at some point we, we uh, sold it and then I grew several other businesses all over the planet. Because I'd kind of hit this this business building formula that if I just followed the bouncing ball of the formula that I'd hit, then most of the business would be successful. Sometimes they wouldn't because you can't always, you know, predict market conditions or you don't have enough investment to actually make it fly. But enough was successful that, you know, I, I got to a point in my life where I was like, okay, what now? What do I do now? And that's when I went into coaching and mentoring. And from there, I remember when I had had business coaches as a young mother, I just didn't get the help I that understood me. I got help from middle-aged white men, you know, lovely men that are trying to make a difference. But, you know, when you're standing there with kid puke on your shirt and, and they're telling you you just need to suck it up and hustle, um, didn't really resonate, shockingly. So, so I ended up sort of discovering that women just needed to be coached differently when it came to running your own business and that we didn't need to conform to the way our grandfathers structured a business environment and we didn't need to and we needed to talk about things like how do we manage kids and all these extreme responsibilities that we still have and yet try to grow these successful businesses. Our failure rates are just massive because we have so many responsibilities on top of you know, which men just don't have, you know, intentionally or unintentionally, they just don't have. They have other problems and other pressures. Um, and there really was no program on and no help, not really out there for women in general to get their businesses from a female perspective off the ground, still as powerful, still incredibly um, authentic and, but to women. So that these the women that I started to work with weren't feeling guilt, mother's guilt, God, there's one, or um, frustration because, you know, people were trying to fit them into a nine-to-five box or um, any of those things or, gosh, I should be raising my family and not worrying about this business passion that I have. So, yeah, I, I launched Fempire after that and now we train women business coaches like you 
who have had experience as business owners and know what it's like to teach a female-focused way of, you know, creating a business that has impact and passion and all of the things as well as you do it in on your own terms as a woman and uh, around all the demands that you face. And you, we also sort of show you it, the sisterhood is great because it, it helps you to not feel alone and not really like think you're going crazy and just have that support. Like it's okay. Uh, you know, things are feel hard now, but they will improve, I promise. And just a nurturing, vulnerable environment is what women need to succeed. And that's what we've tried to create at Fempire. And I think we've done it. But I guess time will tell. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh. that was a, a long story, but yeah, that's my story. No, it was great. And even though you said it was the wrong uh, getting unwell on the freeway was the wrong timing. It was the right timing from the universe's perspective, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, being in a, in a van was not the best timing to have a panic attack. No, no. but it, I obviously needed that huge kick up the butt um, because I wasn't listening to my inner intuition. I wasn't listening to that higher voice that says, you know, you're unhappy change that you don't need to feel this way. Um, I was listening to the collective community of judgment that not only men have for women who are mothers, but women have too. So, yeah, it, it was. Um, I needed that big, that big scare to actually change. And so, I hope everyone listening now <laughs> takes my story into account and says, "Right, I'm not going to, not going to wait till I get into a scary situation. I'm actually going to change now." So. Yes, because the body tells us constantly we have to listen to it. Your, your body is your greatest teacher. It stores all of your memories and all of your pain and all of your learnings and all of all of the things. So, yes, when you're not listening to that, you're doing yourself the greatest disservice possible. Yes, it's amazing how how often it's talking to us and we don't listen. But I was thinking about when you were talking about um, having puke on your baby puke on your top and men telling you what to do. It was sitting there the other day and Ava had weed everywhere because we're trying to toilet train and then you're about to go into a meeting and I just stopped and I thought, how do you manage, how do you just, like, how do we transition from here all over the floor and then you've got to walk into a meeting and there's crap everywhere and I think, oh, my God, sometimes I wish I wasn't working from home because you could just, you don't have that, that mm. intensity of family life and your office. <laughs> yeah, that is the tough juggle. That is a really tough juggle. I remember being in important meetings and, um, you know, my kid would come crying into the room. Actually, I'm working from home today, so my dog is likely to bark at any time, but my kids are growing up now. But, um, yeah, we just don't. But I think women are great at embracing that sense of um, understanding that we cannot control everything. Women are more so if I was to talk about masculine and feminine energy and um, the energies that we sit in, I talk about this a lot, you know, when I'm speaking from stage or talking to entrepreneurs, female energy you got to think about as curved lines. So if we were following a map, we'd be taking the scenic route. We'd be, we'd be looking at the creative scenic route. And this is in men and women, feminine and masculine. And then the masculine energy is all those straight lines that control that. And we need those too to structure our business. We need that masculine energy. But what you're talking about is just the complete chaos. And that's when we really do have to sit in the feminine and just realize that there is no controlling the situation. 
the only thing that we have any control over is our mind. And so if we go into that downward spiral of, oh, my God, this puke on my shirt or this wee on my shoes <laughs> and is, you know, ridiculous and I have to step into a meeting, um, then sometimes we can bring the humour to it and just realise that, you know, as women we're doing the best we can and we choose to be home with our ch- gorgeous children and sometimes we're going to get puke on our shirts and wee on our shoes. And it's all part of life and business. There is no separation. When people say, how do you get balance? I'm like, well, it's all life. It's all messy. It's like a ball of string. Just, It's just in moments. Just separate your moments and realise that just because that moment in the bathroom with the we everywhere happened doesn't mean the next moment has to be as chaotic and out of control as long as you put that first moment down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Also at all? Yes. As you were talking, um, and for our listeners, this isn't just a therapy session for me. Might sound like it. (laughs) But as you were talking, all of us, (laughs) it was making me think about the masculine and feminine. And I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm fearful of sitting in the feminine space. I don't know if it's Mm. because I'm an older mum, or. I'm so sometimes my partner will say I'm just so fixated on trying to get the business up and running really well that um, maybe I'm crushing the feminine side a bit instead of just laughing and enjoying the chaos. I'm like, no, I've got to get into this meeting. I've got to be, you know, on point and I can't deal with this way right now. <laughs> maybe and again, the humour in the situation comes up. So we always have to keep our sense of humour. But... Always sitting, so you said always sitting in, yeah, the masculine. Well, yeah, maybe I am. That, that is, you know, people become afraid of that and they say, well, if I'm good. It's your, you said, I don't know if it's because I'm an older mum. It's not that at all. It's your conditioning. It's the same conditioning I was up against with I must be a stay-at-home mother to have a successful, thriving family. Um, it, that conditioning says to us that we must sit in our masculine and be strong and confident all the time and control the chaos to be successful at business. And that is so not true. I mean, there'd be plenty of men out there saying, God, my life is chaotic all the time. Um, The control, we do have a need to modicum of structure and control, sure. And you needed to just pull yourself together and get on with that meeting and do the best job you could in the moment that you had, considering you'd just been weighed on. but it's not we that's a perfection syndrome that you're running that's a to be a good female business owner or good business owner I must control the outcome of everything that I do but I think and this is a great segue into what we were um, going to discuss today which is authentic leadership you have to even going into that meeting so when I would have chaos like that I literally would sit in that meeting going listen my daughter's has just wet herself all over the bathroom floor. I just need to take a moment and then we can move into what we need to talk about, depending on what the meeting was, because I felt I realised that the more I just spoke about real life as a female entrepreneur and as a female leader, the more I would um, break those boundaries and, and smash that judgment. And, you know, people judge me, but I had a thick end. I cared, to be honest, Shay. It was tough, but someone's somebody's got to do it, right? You've got to sit in there and, you know, in Fempo we talk about having your period and how that affects your hormones, affect your productivity and your 
decision making and menopause and children and all just all the realities and unfortunate that women are shamed for in business. So I think to be an incredible authentic leader as a woman, we have to call these things out. We have we don't have to make it about us and we do have to have boundaries, but the vulnerability of being in business and all the chaos that comes with that as a working mother or a entrepreneur mother or working from home or whatever your MO is, is um is just the reality of life that we've all got to stop burying to sound like we're good enough because we're already good enough. At Rethink Dyslexia, we are doing things differently. As a global leader in creating inclusive environments for adults with dyslexia, our commitment is to provide individuals with opportunities to live healthier, happier and more connected lives. Through our range of tailored services, including coaching, learning and development programs, consultancy and training, we're helping dyslexic individuals businesses and organisations to better understand and support their dyslexic employees. So if you're looking for insights, inspiration and expert advice on dyslexia and how you can provide inclusive practices and environments, then head to rethinkdyslexia.com to find out more or book your free consultation today. So how do you, because I've written this blog around managing business with grief, with my mum dying and how I, like the strategies I put in place. Mm. I'm talking to my counsellor about how much do you expose or divulge to the community? Like how do you put those boundaries in place where you're still authentic, you're still um, purposeful in your leadership, you're giving enough but not too much? It's a big question. <laughs> um, you, you listen to feedback and you, you, you're, you need to be prepared to make mistakes, okay? So... Um, the first thing, if you're worried, you you have an incredible sisterhood and vampire, so you bring it, it to them first. You go, am I oversharing here? <laughs> Can someone give me some feedback? Or as you said, when you were talking to your counsellor, so that's a brilliant plan too. Um, everyone has their own opinion too. So if you're working with a very conservative um, human that is, is also afraid of breaking boundaries, so if we sometimes we go to our partners for advice who sit in the same energy as us or whatever it is and they're not the right people to ask because they'll always tell us oh god don't do that or no that's too much you have to go to those those change makers those those if you want to be one yourself so what I would say is ask your close community so is, does this feel like I'm sharing um get feedback from your team if you have a team and say you know here's what I wrote is this oversharing does it feel icky and oversharing to you and then you and choose your wizards wisely you've heard me say that before choose the people you get advice from with care um and only take the feedback on board that one thing I always ask myself is is this true when someone gives me feedback um I say okay is this true if the answer is no, then I put that down. I put it down. I'm like, okay, great. They needed to share that, but it's it's not true. So I'm going to put that down. Or if it is true, what can I do to make to change or make it better or improve it or, or what needs to happen? Um, and sometimes nothing needs to happen. The answer is nothing. Take the feedback on board and just do better next time. Or, you know, apologise, you know, move forward, change, blah, 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 whatever it is. So that's all part of authentic leadership too, is not assuming that you're always right and what you're doing is always correct, but actually asking, getting feedback 
but then rechecking back in. This is where we what the piece we sometimes miss. And that is just because someone's given you feedback doesn't make them right. So you really need to check back in with that self who does know if it's right or wrong or check in with others like those mentors and guys that you really trust. And if you can't get clarity because you're too triggered, sometimes feedback can be harsh. Um, and then you really sit in, is this true? Uh, God, it might have been Byron Katie. That I can't remember now, but look, her, she's fantastic, Byron Katie. She, she has the is this true question, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things. As an authentic leader, share vulnerably and then edit if you need to is would be would be how I would run things because there are so, there are things like boundaries. You can't spray your problems all over people, but you can authentically share how you're feeling without coming across as a victim. You're just sharing. You're sharing how you're feeling. And if it helps other people, that's fantastic. And that's that is interesting because I put something out the other day about going the ups and downs and there was a quote and so the point of the post was to come back to the quote and following your dreams and your hopes and that was afterwards I did worry because I don't want to be a victim in business but sometimes you do want to share that some days are pretty shit and you know there are some weeks that are really shit and it's and we just to want to be honest it. yeah mm. Mm. so it's interesting to feel and I mean some people reached out and they were great and I'm having coffee with them because they're in similar positions so that was nice to see, but it is a fine balance, isn't it, of not wanting to be a victim or not wanting to overshare too much. And even with my writing, like my mum, she used to contact me and say, you've got spelling mistakes in your socials, you need to fix it up. I see that's authentic, mum. She's like, no, when it comes to business, Shay, it's not authentic. If it's coming from you personally, have as many mistakes as you want. But if it's about selling a product or trying to do something, she said, you don't, you need to change that and have your authenticity when it's about you as a blog piece or your podcast or something like that. And that was always a piece of advice that kind of guided me with my writing at least when I could mm, and when I was the business me and when I was the dys- dyslexic just me. <laughs> and I'm sure, you you know, you kind of unconsciously probably said, is this true? And is this advice good advice? And, and you said, yes, it is. It's, a, you know, and then you went on to change. You didn't, here's what some people might have done with that piece of advice stopped writing and stayed stuck because they got the advice. So when I first published my book, um, I remember this girl got in touch with me and she said, Marnie, I can't believe your book is just, yeah, I just wanted to reach out to you. This is through Instagram, Insta messaging, and tell you I absolutely love your book. It's changed my life. It's um, thank you for what you're doing for women and what you're doing um, for women worldwide or some huge gush. And it was the first big piece of feedback. I'd only published the book sort of a month previously, but she said it changed her life and made her feel like she could go ahead and run and her launch and run her own business. Um, and I sent it and I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll send, because I didn't tell my family I was writing a book because I knew any kind of feedback, negative or positive or whatever, anything in between might hinder my progress because I didn't really want to write a book, but I had to write a book because I felt there was all this information that women needed to know anyway she my mum so I I really tentatively I cut and paste that instead of getting great feedback about the book and I cut and paste that and I send it to my sister and my brother my dad my mum so my family and my mum got back with an email saying Marnie I think this is spam (laughs) oh my god and I remember you know how I said keep maintain your sense of (laughs) humour 
<laughs> I remember thinking, oh, good. I said, Mum, she goes, you know, this girl has tried to friend me on Facebook and I don't even know and I think she's probably just trying to hack into my account. And my mum was new to Facebook and not very savvy. Actually, she's probably she's still terrible. But um, she, and I said, Mum, no, this girl is a real human. Uh, you're mentioned in the book. And she probably was so impressed she wanted to reach out. I said, you know, Jen Wise, they friend everybody. It's not about that. She just wants to know you as a, she's looked you up and wants to know you as a, as a person. She's like, oh, well, oh, well, that's good. <laughs> now, now my mum doesn't remember even sending that email, but it was a great, <laughs> it was a great lesson for me that again, you know, we don't need permission from our parents to be good enough and we shouldn't be checking in with our partners around our businesses. Are we good enough? Are we doing enough? Do we have enough? Is it okay if I do this or that? It's about doing what feels really good for you, like feels like the right path for you, checking in with your partner. Um, definitely if um, but if they're ever going to rock your confidence just stay quiet about it until you have proof that you're you're a very capable human and um and and yeah so where was I going with that it's 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 all about the feedback we get and whether we take it on board so some is great and some is just you know will will literally cripple you and stop you moving forward which is why I didn't tell my family or show my mum offered to edit my book at one point she's a journalist so and I was like no mum I can't have you do that I I just can't have you do that because if you say anything or you know I'm just going to stop right it's going to rock my confidence so yeah there there we go I didn't show my mum my book and she read it and she said I said now mum it is a bit harsh about dad she said okay and then she read the first couple of chapters and she called me she said hmm you weren't wrong about it being quite harsh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I said, well, lucky he doesn't read, one, because he's dyslexic <laughs> and he's not on social media either. I said, so he won't ever really know what I've written. But, there you um, go. It, it is good. That is a great conversation to have around our purpose and how we, you know, how do we put boundaries in um, when, we're, when we're in our businesses. Why would we put, why would you, why would one put boundaries around their purpose? Maybe I'm. Oh, no, sorry. I should rephrase that to when we're sharing, oversharing. Oversharing boundaries. Yeah, yeah, putting boundaries in because it is all connected. Like if we're wanting to be authentic, then sometimes we might end up oversharing. Yeah. Um, I think uh, worrying about that is something you've got to put down. And I think, as I said, just getting that feedback from your community. It'll come and then you'll learn more boundaries. Um, But, you know, uh, coming from any kind of poor me is not a great place to start, but coming from a this is my experience and this is what's happened and this is how I felt is is a different way to look at it. But saying, oh, you know, constantly complaining or whinging about a situation is not productive or helpful to anyone. But sharing a situation that may have impacted you in some way where you feel it could help someone is is different. But as I said, reach out for that feedback from community. And even your mum sort of said, yes, that's quite harsh. But she didn't say change it. And then you had to, and then again, it's always check back in with yourself. You, you know, you know your really what's right for you and your family at a deep, deep level. So you just, it doesn't come from outside. People need outside 
confirmation sometimes and we need to learn what boundaries look like. But um, in the end, it really is an internal an internal job and, and really working out what feels right for you to get out there in the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then if, if, if it blows up in your face, so be it. You were doing the best you could with what you knew at the time, learn from it and don't do it again. And I think that's how we learn boundaries too. I get Brene Brown's work gives gives great guidance on vulnerability and boundaries, but I do think it really is an inside job. It is is it, looking at that, not being, being humble and understanding um, that you're not always going to get it right, but it's it's the worst thing is not to try. You know, how do we, you know, know our purpose and then finally step into it, whether we're stay-at-home mums or we're leaving our career or wanting to change our career or, you know, some some people are like, well, I don't, I, I have no idea what my purpose is. Well, sometimes we just have to wait, wait until it sort of smacks us in the face with a wet fish. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's, there's we have a um, great, at Fempire, we have a great, um, it's on your website actually, the Find Your Purpose course. You could do that and that can help you gain some clarity around whether you should stay in your career or become an entrepreneur because people promote that entrepreneurship is easy, quit your day job, blah, blah, blah. I even say it because I love it. But it's not for everybody and you have to have a certain kind of grit and a certain kind of mindset and a certain kind of learning capability and passion and drive and all that stuff. You can be the most average entrepreneur, but if you keep getting up every time you're kicked, you'll still get there. But being passionate about something, you know, I'm going to probably rock the status quo, is just not enough. No. You have to be obsessed. You have to have an obsession. You have to know your why. So we were talking before we started recording about Fempire's why being the future is female. I have a deep, deep um, commitment to that saying, that why. And that it isn't that it's not male. It's just that we need more women out there that have a voice, that have a seat at the table, that, you know, run authentic businesses, um, you know, that we just tend to bring a different kind of empathy, intuition, authenticity and uh incredible leadership when women lead from the feminine from the, their authentic selves not from a masculine dynamic because we get a lot of feedback saying oh god the female boss I had was the most horrendous boss I've ever had I think to start with we're less um uh we're more judgment judgmental of female leadership so we get torn down a lot more and I said what because I remember saying to this one I go what the worst you've ever had. So you've never had a male boss that has ever made you feel uncomfortable or small or blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, no, I have. But it was just more shocking to her that the female made her feel that way. And fair enough. But we judge these women harshly. But those women got where they got because they had to be masculine and they had to sit in them. I'm not saying it's right or good. What I'm saying is they were conditioned because they needed to you know, because they wanted to get uh, to a certain level in their companies and they needed to be very, very masculine and hardcore to do it, but they would, and they've been judged harshly for it. Um, however, there are some shocking bosses across the board, male and female and other, who, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> have any excuse for, but, yeah, so starting a 
business uh, from a passion is not always going to be the thing that gets you there. It's that unwavering um, commitment to your why and knowing it in the first place, and sometimes it can be really deep. You have to wait for it to come out and constantly question and explore. And then um, you need, when every time you get slapped down or knocked over or criticised or the feedback that's, you know, or you overshare and someone gives you feedback on that or whatever it is, you just keep going back. I still keep going back to the, you know, well, the future is female. We can't be what we can't see. So women need to step up and lead and and be shown how to do that authentically from the feminine without the guilt, without the shame, without all the stuff that comes with being a woman. Originally when I started, and like Daniel says to me, it's an obsession and it is, like I live and breathe this, Mm. like sleep, I dream about it, I wake up thinking about it. Um, And originally it was because there was no Australian adult dyslexic voices over yeah. the last seven years, that's that's risen. But what I've seen is the male voice. And now for me, it's like, but where are the females? Where are the female dyslexics? Why aren't, why aren't they standing on stage? Why aren't they the ones posting all this stuff on social media? Like it's such a small group mm. of women that are out there at the moment. And even, you know, like Richard Branson's a poster, dyslexic poster person. And like there's so many males. And so now I've like my my goals have shifted in a way where it's still around dyslexic voice, but it's like, well, but where are the females? And Let's bring women more. In. Mm. And I wonder if it is that not good enough piece that a lot of women run, almost the majority of us, right? That imposter syndrome that we can't seem, we can't be seen to be any weaker than we're already seen to be, right? We are naturally seen, you know, from society or conditioning, whatever, to be weak. I'm not saying we are. We're definitely not. We have babies. We're the strongest animals on the planet. We're just, it's ridiculous. And feminine energy is powerful, powerful stuff, much more powerful in my opinion than masculine. But, you know, any kind of vulnerability that we share that might impede our um, competency, perception, someone's perception of our competency I don't know, you tell me, Shay, you're, you're really, it would be something that women would probably hold back on. We have a very similar why. Obviously, you want to give women a voice in the dyslexic space and, and having that, that piece of, you know, this we're not abnormal. We're incredibly normal, creative human beings and, and there's lots of men out there doing great work, but you know that there needs to be women first because no one, you can't, dyslexic women can't be what they can't see, right? So you just being that incredible dyslexive dyslexive dyslexic leader I can't even say it leader um shows other women that it's normal to feel the way they're feeling and that's what we're trying to do just at a probably more a different uh, level is we're trying to say be that vulnerable feminine um and by feminine I'm not talking about pink dresses and high heels I'm just talking about sitting in your feminine energy and your authentic truth using your intuition and um leading from empathy and kindness, um, which are classic feminine traits. Um, that kind of where we're really focused on trying to give women a voice in that space and yours is just that one niche down or across maybe around the dyslexic piece, which is incredible. Um, leaders like Jacinta Ardern have really started mm-hmm. to help position those feminine qualities in kindness. leadership roles, you know, the kindness, the empathy. And then also I think when to just step down and say it's not my time anymore. As an entrepreneur 
or as a leader? Or? Well, as a leader to be able to say I need to change this. Yeah, when to I, know. I've, yeah, when to know when you go, I've, I know I've done enough in this space. Yeah. Like you had multiple businesses. Oh, At some point yeah. you knew. To step away. To yeah. step away. And I think that's a really uh, important and strong trait as a leader to be able to go, actually, it's now my turn to move back and let someone else come in. It is the strongest thing a leader ever does is when they understand that they're no longer relevant or their job is not serving them um, or they can't instill change or grow the business any further or whatever it is. That for both men and women is a tough thing. For But I, the future is female in that way because I think it's going to take women like Jacinda Ardern and others to show men and women that it's okay to be vulnerable and st- and, and to to know when enough is enough and to exit when the time is right and to be vulnerable in that area and not just continue until, you know, you're overwhelmed and your life has fallen apart. But, oh, my God, you were a great whatever. So, yeah, I think it's about showing leaders that having family values and having um, and putting those first sometimes, all times, is not a... Um, weakness and some people still saw it as that some people still judge it as that but that's their stuff is it true no but she was being true and authentic to herself and she I mean who can't how can you not respect that in my opinion IMO I mean everyone has a different opinion and they're entitled to it but no she's been a fabulous leader for women and and I hope when little girls look at Jacinda and her career and her career in politics that they really don't get caught up in the politics of politics but just in her her leadership as a woman in uh, through what I would suggest is one of the most difficult times um, any politician has had to face and she did it with grace and courage and confidence and kindness so that's something that we should all try to emulate in our business and working careers. Yes, true authentic leadership. And I think women are the people that need to show people that, to be honest. I think we it's an inherent in, in many of us um, and that that's what needs to come to the table. So, yeah. Well, I think that is a very fitting and inspiring way for us to end our conversation today. And I would love to have you on the show again, Marnie, not just so I can get some counselling therapy session in, (laughs) but um, your work experience, your entrepreneurial experience is so valued and um, it's just an honour to be able to share that within our community. So thank you so much for your time today and I look forward to talking to you again. It's been an absolute pleasure, Shay, and I would love to come back and share anything that you will just chat and see what happens. (laughs) Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Dr. Shay Wissell, and you have been listening to the Hobo CEO podcast. Head to rethinkdyslexia.com.au to find out more about today's guest speaker. To keep up to date with all of our news, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And if you haven't done so yet, go to your favourite podcast platform, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next time for another conversation on the Hobo CEO.